Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Cream, is your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we are discussing CIC issue number 48, The Dishonoring of God in Popular Spiritual Warfare Teachings. You can find that article at the website CICministry.org. Now we're going to be discussing the power of words today, and we have some interesting quotes from a man named John Dawson. But just as a recap from last week, we had been discussing some verses out of Jeremiah 44, where these people wanted to listen to their own words instead of the words of God. So just as a refresher, I'm going to read one of those verses, and then we're going to go on and talk about the idea of the power in our words. So what we were discussing last week was Jeremiah 44. I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. As for the message you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you, but rather we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, just as we ourselves, our forefathers, our kings and princes did in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food and were well off and saw no misfortune. Right. So last week we talked quite a bit about why we can't look at our symptoms and circumstances and create a theology from that. But it does kind of go back to the importance of what, how do we interact with the word of God? What is the word of God and what is our responsibility in this? Yeah. So how do these false teachers misuse that? Right. Cause they said, we will carry out every word that's proceeded from our mouth. Right. Of a section here, issue 48, which, by the way, was written in 1998. The heading for the section is the power of words in unity, question mark. Okay. No, I'm doubting that. Right. So we've already in previous episodes talked about Frangipane, who said our high priest is only the high priest of our confession. So Jesus can only work with the words we speak. And it's a Voso, Larry Lee. Here's Larry Lee. Your words can give him the entry he needs to work evil. So if you say the wrong words, the devil gets you. God can only work out through the words we speak and so on. And so we went through different teachers at Savoso. And what they have in common is that everything's been turned over to believers, and they're going to determine the future of planet Earth and reality and so on. Okay. And so this can be called a lot of different things. We call it dominion theology. Okay. And there are so many versions of it. Yes. Now, there's only one version of the gospel, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. This is who he said he is, God the Son, the one with all authority, and he reigns at the right hand of God, Psalm 110 and verse 1. Okay. And he's not limited by our words. Right. Not, a, not at all. Yeah, God's purpose is being carried out. But these teachers are saying, you got to go by the symptoms. That's what we talked about last week. Right. So if we're not ruling over, well, they, a lot of them like to start with America. 
Yes. So America, the millennium comes here. We're going to rule and prove to everybody that, that this is right. And this is us. And this is our millennium. But this is a pretty pathetic millennium. Right. It's supposed to be it. <laughs> and I and they can't agree what the, even what the millennium would look like. Okay. And so an easy way to refute that is the millennium. Some people say there'll never be one. But Jesus said that he would come and reign. Yes. Physically. So if right. Jesus is not returned and we he's now reigning, then this is not the millennium. Right. Okay. Now, let's go to this John Dawson. Okay. I think it was with YWAM. He said this, quote, because we are the legal stewards of this planet, it is important for a human being to speak out authorization for action on the part of angels, unquote. Wow. So the angels can't do anything until we speak out authorization for them. Wow. That should be, I mean, isn't there a Bible verse that says Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for a while? Well, right. And we did a YouTube series on, um, the, what was that? How God you, rules, rules the, his world. Yeah. yeah. Or his universe. Yeah. I found that the other day. I'm finally figuring out how to navigate YouTube. Okay. But it's on there on our YouTube channel. But it doesn't say this. Right. We do not have authority over the angels. They don't need us to right. take, you know, for them to take action. I mean, it is so shockingly dishonoring to God. I don't understand how anyone could even listen to it. Well, what happens is one theologian called this over-realized eschatology. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians, for example, they're saying, Paul says to them, you should be able to figure out issues in the church. That's your jurisdiction. Right. He says, don't you know? That one day we will judge angels? Yes. Well, he's talking about in the future kingdom when Christ is ruling. Right. And roles that he'll assign to different persons after the resurrection. Yes. This isn't now. And so they're saying, no, this is now. We're in charge of it. Okay. So that's where they get that idea that we have authority over angels. Well, they get it from a lot of different places, but none of them are properly interpreted scripture. Okay. And one of the things that happened, that's why right now I'm preaching through 1 Corinthians, because that's something I haven't yet done. And I've been teaching verse by verse of the Bible since the early 80s. And I've covered some of these, but I want to do the whole book. Right now I'm in chapter one. But over-realized eschatology says this all has to happen now. Right. And that those who believe in that this happens after the resurrection and then what happens now is that we confess Christ we preach the gospel we trust the promises of God and we don't trust in man and certainly we don't trust in our authority to speak authorization for action on the part of angels we don't know what were we going to say and what if a bunch of different Christians decide I'm going to authorize the angels to take charge of Minneapolis. Okay. Or 
where I, Minneapolis, I was a preacher for 25 years. And right now all around the area where that building was is where the riots happened and things were burned down. Right. Uh, but what if somebody else says, I think God is going to judge Minneapolis. We'll authorize the angels to do that. Okay. So you got all these conflicting ideas about what's going to happen. Well, and then if you just look at the symptoms, you'll say, okay, Minneapolis is being judged because if you dare drive down Lake Street, you might get carjacked by a 12-year-old. Yeah, it's really chaotic. And really, we should pray for the, the peace of the country we're in so the gospel can continue to go out. Right. And but the conditions there don't tell us whether or not God is judging Minneapolis. Well, it tells us that the rulers and authorities, human ones, refuse to restrain evil, which is the job that's given to them, according to Romans 13. Yes. And they call good evil and evil good. And now people are afraid to go into the city. Right. And I thought it was really bad in the 90s. And you'll remember that. Yeah. Because there were so many murders and people were confronting me and threatening me and uh, destroying our property and so on. And uh, we're not there now, not very far away, but it did get, get worse. Yes. I didn't it think really it did. work. It's worse. It, well, and it got worse fast. I mean, oh, yeah. th th the city is tanked in a matter of a year. Just yes. gone. But we, but see, no one knows the future. Right. God hasn't revealed the future of the various cities we're in. Right. But he has revealed that what we need to do is preach the gospel so that people can escape from the authority of darkness and come under the authority of his son, which is Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and all these things we've been preaching because we don't know for sure. Right. And God takes care of us. But what? look at all the guilt that gets peddled. Well, maybe okay. that happened because we forgot to tell the angels to have authority to take care of the city. Wow. Do we need that guilt? No. It no. only makes things worse to give false teaching. Right. And I remember in the 70s, there were Christians authorized to, to march or around parts of the city, claiming it for God, getting revelations about what demon was over the city to cast down the demon. Yeah. But so what happens when it all blows up? Did the Christians fail? No, no. And, you know, and while we were there, one thing that did happen was the gospel went out and right. we would actually go out on the street corner there and have outreaches with gospel preachers and music and hot dogs and hamburgers. And we fed the people and we shared the gospel and we did what we could in the environment that we were in at right. the time. I have pictures of that. And we did preach Christ and the gospel and hand out tracts. And in God's providence, we ended up selling that building and moving into St. Louis Park. Yeah. But that's all part of God's providence. Right. God's providence contains good and evil. But if we believe his promises and trust him and preach Christ, God uses that. Yes. And this doesn't mean that the people that are still there 
in that city are worse sinners? No, it doesn't. What we need to judge is whether the gospel is truly preached. Right. And maybe almost everyone around rejects it. But God is honored because the gospel is preached. And even though our church is no longer in Minneapolis, our evangelism team is somewhere in Minneapolis just about every week preaching the gospel. So we need to get the categories right. So imagine this. Um, Humans speak authorization for action on the part of angels. Wow. Well, what that is, is committing the error that we've talked about in a previous uh, CIC series of the air of mentioned in Jude and second Peter two. Okay. And I think that is found on our YouTube channel in a playlist. Yeah. Somebody yeah. Have to find that. I, again, I, we did cover that. Okay. But they speak blasphemies because they revile angelic majesties. Right. Okay. So that's the key, but let's go on here. Dawson continues. Within our right of dominion is the privilege of speaking into existence the purpose of God as he reveals his mind to us. Okay. So now it's not scripture alone. It's not what God has said. It's not the promises of God. It's Christians getting a revelation now of his mind to speak out authorization for angels. So now we've added a whole nother level of false teaching. Right. And this is so bad. It's so harmful. It's so wicked. Okay. And I say this in this article, several dominionist teachers use the story of the tower of Babel as an example of this supposed human power. So, Okay, was the issue at Babel unity and the human power that comes from it? Well, talk about getting everything utterly backwards. Right. What do we learn from the Tower of Babel? Well, according to the false teachers, they say, well, now nothing they suppose will be uh, withheld from them. Or, But that's not the point. Okay. The point was... God sovereignly stopped it, confused their languages, scattered the people, and then we have the table of nations and national boundaries and humans over those nations. Right. God used that event to sovereignly establish the way he wanted to order and govern his world. Right. And so it wasn't that God was afraid, "Uh uh-oh, now they're going to do this, and now what are we going to do? Right. And so uh, this is just unbelievable. Another one, as we cover this, they attribute the day of Pentecost to human unity. Okay. All right. Should we read that one real quick? We discussed it earlier, but let me just quick flip open to Acts 2 here. And let's see if unity was the issue or if the power of God was. So Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. So there's the unity. Mm -hmm. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So did this happen because they had unity sitting together in one place? Or is it that the Holy Spirit was poured out and that's where the power was? Well, it's actually, as you read on in Peter's sermon, I yeah. covered that, he attributes that to God fulfilling the passage in Joel. Right. Okay. This is what God promised. So again, it's a sovereign act of God. Right. Not the power of human unity. Well, see, one of the things is, absolutely essential to learn a Bible is to get a good hermeneutic about how to read. Okay. Who determines the meaning, the author or the reader? The author. Right. But let me tell you, if you're going to school somewhere today, that's not what you're going to hear. Oh, no. And that destroys meaning. Yes. And the author determines the meaning. Now, Luke was the Holy Spirit-inspired author of Luke-Acts. Okay. And Luke, if you read Luke-Acts as the two-volume work that it is, you'll see that Luke is not telling us that they discovered the power of unity, so that's what happened. Right. Okay? No, because God used evil people who rejected Messiah— the Romans rejected him. The Jews rejected him. But God brought forth his sovereign purpose. Right. And Jesus bodily ascended to heaven. And they witnessed that. And there will be a time when God brings him back. But until then, he's reigning at the right hand of God. Psalm 110 verse 1. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on all different sorts of people, bond servants, and so on. And now they prophesy and they speak. Now, this was a sign that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Yes. That God was keeping his promises. But if you read on in Acts, Peter goes on to preach the gospel and cite scripture and call people to repentance. In Luke Acts, it says, repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in, G in my name, Jesus said, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. In Acts, that's literally what happens. Right. So we're learning that we need to preach Christ, preach the gospel, preach repentance, and tell people to come to him. Yes. And God keeps <laughs> his promises. It's not the power of human unity. It's the power of God. Right. So Babel was going to happen because of the power of human unity. And Pentecost is going to happen because of the power of human unity. And therefore, if we get it wrong, then it's all thwarted. Okay. So they've got Babel is the power of human unity. Pentecost, the power of human unity. Therefore, the millennium is going to come through the power of human unity? No. Is that, I mean, that just doesn't work. It's bad. Well, it's backward. All of it's backwards from beginning to end. Right. So 
what you end up with with that kind of theology is a God who is contingent. Right. Now, we've talked about that before, but maybe there's new listeners, and I don't remember in what context I've said a lot of these things. But let's talk about contingency. Okay. Let's oh, define that first. What's that? Let's define that first. Right. If something's contingent, what does that mean? Well, if anybody's ever bought or sold a home, they probably heard about a contingency in that context. Right. So if somebody makes an offer for a home, and in the offer they put in contingencies. Yes. This home will be bought, but it's contingent on the sale of our home or gaining the finances or passing the inspection and so right. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what a contingency is. Now, in theology, what we're saying is that God is eternal, non-contingent, and transcends everything else. Okay. God is not contingent on what happens in his own created universe. Yes. He's not contingent on the human words. Okay. He carries out his plan. We've said in past episodes that, frankly, the God of the Word of Faith Dominionist teachers is a contingent God. Right. That he can't, he can't be non-contingent if he requires something from his own creation in order to be God. Right. And so the Jesus of the Word of Faith people, Kenneth Copeland and so on, became a mere man and had to go into hell and fight Satan. And if he won, which he, they say he managed to do, he can, he, now he is back being God the Son. No, God is not contingent. Right. Deity doesn't come and then go and then come back. Yeah. If a deity that can be lost is no deity at all. Right. And so we've been talking about that, I have, for decades. I don't know why people can't get that. It's not very complicated. Because if you don't have a transcendent God who created the whole universe out of nothing, but a God who's contingent, a God who somehow can only do what man allows him to do or authorizes him to do, then what are you actually hoping in? Right. You're hoping but, in yourselves. Yeah. You're Which hoping. is what we read in Jeremiah. We'll trust the power of, we'll trust our words. Yeah. The queen of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to trust our words. And besides, we had it a lot better under the queen of heaven. Right. So. Um, here's a statement, and I don't know if everybody can comprehend this theologically, but just think about it. Okay. God is not contingent on anything, but he also knows all contingencies. Right. And that's that's a good point. That's something we need to understand. He knows all right. possible outcomes. He knows. Right. <laughs> right. God knows all contingencies. Yes. But God himself, ontologically, is not contingent. Okay. So where does that leave us? Well, we know what God said. We know God, what God promised. We know what his moral will is. We know what his plan of salvation is. And we know what's important and what isn't. 
that what's important is we believe his promises, we trust him, and we know that those who trust in Christ are blessed, and we have the promise of eternal life. Amen. And so if Pentecost was contingent on human unity, well, then why did Peter say what he did in Acts 2, 23 and so on? Right. And, you know, when Peter told us what to think of, of that incident, it's explained for us in Scripture. We need to believe what Scripture says it meant. Yeah. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified by the hands of wicked men. I'm citing from memory. I think it's pretty close. Yeah. But God raised him from the dead, and then he preached Christ. Yeah. So Peter didn't talk about contingencies based on human unity, based on human words, based on man believing in his words, based on anything. God carried out his plan. Right. Peter shows that this was fulfilling what was prophesied in Joel. Right. So, dear ones, don't be deceived. Don't be harmed. This will not lead to any good outcome. Trusting in man will never lead to a blessing. Looking for symptoms will just cause you confusion, fear, distress, all those things you don't want. It's too complex. You can't go back through your past and recreate whatever caused whatever. There's too many contingencies. You can't authorize the angels to do things because at this point, we have no clue what the angels ought to be doing. We're not in charge of the divine council. God is. Right. He did invite us to his council meeting. Exactly. And so what we know is what's revealed. And what's revealed doesn't tell us details about various cities, nations, history, and so on. But it tells us that God wants his word proclaimed. He wants us to believe his promises. He wants us to preach Christ, redemption, forgiveness, and eternal life for those who trust in him. And also the future. The future is about judgment for those who reject God, but it's also for blessing, eternal blessing, for those who believe in him. Amen. That's revealed. Yes. So if you want to go try authorizing the angels to do this or that, it's really, honestly, honestly, it's blasphemous. Exactly. God doesn't know what to do, but we do. Well, they wow. just, no, 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 no. We're not saying that. God knows what to do, but we need to get a revelation from him and then tell the angels what to do. As if God can't interact directly with the angels on his own. Which he already does. But right. is this revelation we got from God inerrant, infallible? No. No. It may or may not be. It's just ideas in our brain. Right. But what's said in Scripture is true. It is infallible. God will deal with the angels. Yes. Let's preach the gospel. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.